my life was being consumed with small decisions. And then I, I, I realized that, well, as long as I took this position of everyone would come to me and say what they wanted and what they needed money for, and I decided we spend money on, I was always going to be in a reactive mode. But there was, there was no governing principle in what I was doing except keeping going. There was the Northridge earthquake and shut down CalArts altogether. We really would go the rest of the way to bankrupt. Alex Williams here to welcome you back to Broken Bulbs, the show for entrepreneurs, creators, and builders who need to keep it real. Today, I'm joined once again by Stephen Levine. Stephen previously featured on episodes 95 and 156 of Broken Bulbs, so make sure you go back and check those out as well. Now, from 1988 to 2017, he served as president of the California Institute of the Arts, otherwise known as CalArts. It was a period of sustained growth in programs, community engagement, enrollment, reputation, and financial stability for the Arts College. But while working to save CalArts from bankruptcy, the Northridge earthquake destroyed the campus. That's coming up after the break. Hey guys, real quick before we get into today's show, I just wanted to say a huge thank you for listening and thank you for all the ways that you offer support, whether it's through reviews or sharing it with a friend or family member who you think would get something out of this episode. If you want to find more ways to support us, you can go to mechoradio.com slash support. That's M-E-C-H-O radio.com slash support. Again, that's mechoradio.com slash support. And with that, let's get on to today's show. Stephen Levine, ready to talk about another one of your broken bulbs? I'm, I'm, this one I'm really happy to talk about. <laughs> okay, perfect. I'm, I'm glad you're happy to talk about this one. So we're going to get into it. When you first got to Cal Arts, you lacked a parent direction, which when you're in charge of something, uh, that's a problem. So do you want to walk us through how this all happened and how it went down? I got to CalArts and it was in the process of going bankrupt. It's a long story how I got in that situation. It was already a great school. And I thought, how could a school as great as this go out of business? But I, I got there and it was really desperate. I mean, every $100 decision uh, was a big decision. And my life was being consumed with small decisions. And then I, I, I realized that, well, as long as I took this position of Everyone would come to me and say what they wanted and what they needed money for. And I decided we spend money on. I was always going to be in a reactive mode. You understood that if this was, this was the film school and their 16 millimeter camera was broken, that was the, the art way back then. Well, you had to put the money in to get, get it replaced or fixed. So the, there, was, there were certain things that were undeniable. But there was, there was no governing principle in what I was doing except keeping going. And I realized that I had to declare my own agenda. I had declared it when I when I applied for the job, but then I, I got lost in the detail of the job. And my agenda was that CalArts, I mean, first that it financially become solvent, but that it become more international in its student body as well as domestically diverse and more interdisciplinary between the programs. That turned out to be a sufficient program to drive the next three decades of my life. Uh, we started a program called the Community Arts Partnership, where our students would teach in neighborhoods of Los Angeles where the schools couldn't offer arts, just were too hard-pressed. Hard and eventually, we had a, a quarter of our student body teaching one day a week, uh, underserved, uh, underserved kids. I, I did it for 
two reasons, really three reasons later. Uh, the first, the first was I wanted our students to have the experience of how difficult life is for many people, to, to recognize their common humanity with people who had less than they did. And even kids who don't have money, once they're in college, unless they're like the kids who can't afford, I mean, aren't eating enough, you are a semi-privileged existence. I mean, you're being allowed time to do whatever it is you do. I wanted them to see what was at stake in, in people's lives. And then I wanted to help those kids. So you're building community, you're helping the school, you're trying to save it from this potential bankruptcy. And then, and then what happens? There was a Northridge earthquake, which uh, did hundreds of millions of dollars of damage in, in Los Angeles and the area around and shut down CalArts altogether. Well, we couldn't afford to shut down all there because we really would go the rest of the way to bankrupt. And there's, there's, there's no guidebook what, what to do when you no longer have a campus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I realized, well, you didn't need a guidebook. You needed, you needed common sense. Common sense said if you just lost all your facilities, if you were going to go on, you had to find facilities somewhere. And then I, I called uh, one of my trustees, uh, Michael Eisner, who was then the very successful head of Disney. And I said, you must have someone who's looking for real estate all the time. And he gave, he gave me a name, he spoke to that guy. He said, oh, there's a facility, that Lockheed plant, not very far from your, your campus, where the place where they tested the, the wing of the B-1 bomber. And it's just empty now. I called Lockheed and I got, I got their, not the head of Lockheed, I got their real estate person. And he wanted to charge me a lot of rent, which was his job as their real estate person. And I went to another one of our trustees and one of his advisors, and I said, I don't think we can afford this amount of rent. Uh, what should we do? And he said, I don't know the head of Lockheed, or the deputy governor of California, and I'm sure he knows the head of Lockheed. And I'll call him, and I, I bet you he'll, Lockheed should be giving this to you for free. Uh, you're living through urgency. Those connections were made. And Lockheed gave it to us for a dollar. Wow. One dollar for <laughs> eight months. And then we set about, in a way, building a new campus with computer labs and studios. Each of these things were things that we just, you just had to make up as you went along. You had to listen to people. People would come in with proposals and you really had to, you had to concentrate because everybody was trying to sell you. I mean, everyone, you know, they believe in their projects. You really had to hear what was, what was at stake uh, and see how that fit into the world. And though that lesson turned out to be totally applicable to uh, every situation. If, if you're not certain about what to do, gather everybody on campus who knows something about this and listen to them and see if you can find a path through. And so in some ways, what, what had been a weakness, the sort of lack of certainty that came with fear of failure, became a, a device or it led me into this strategy of genuinely listening uh, and listening to multiple points of view, not getting overcommitted to my own point of view, finding the line through those diverse points of view, which almost always turned out to be the right thing. In eight months, we rebuilt $40 million worth of campus. We ran crews 24 hours a day, uh, having started suffering over every $100 decision. We had a project manager sleeping on campus at night as the work went on. And suddenly you were making million-dollar decisions. Uh, because we had to get the campus built again by the fall, or there's no way to expect students to come back. And that that really felt like, that changed my life. It really became, and really set up the grounds for the rest of my 
my time at CalArts and uh, for moving forward much, much more, much more confidently. And when we got through this, everybody sort of felt if we can get through this, nothing can really stop us. Yeah, no, to discover you have that in yourself. I discovered I wasn't going to give up. I had fiber. I had I, I had character. Who knew I had character? Uh, that was uh, that was that was very important. And after that, we we launched new programs. We I mean, not too many years later, we built a theater in downtown Los Angeles, a place called Red Cat. We had about $3 million for what was a $14 million project. I never would have dared take on something like that if we hadn't gotten through a $40 million project when we didn't have any money at all. And actually, I think part of the reason people came to our aid uh, after the Northridge earthquake, to go back, is that we demonstrated we were really citizens of Los Angeles who were willing to reach out uh, beyond ourselves and 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 uh, try to help people. One of the th- things I would tell the students at CalArts is that helping other people almost always ends up having its own reward. You don't do it for those awards, or you certainly shouldn't be doing it for that. But but goodness comes back around, or decency comes back around. And I'm absolutely certain that some of the big foundations that donated money toward our rebuilding CalArts were really doing it uh, because of these youth programs. But of course, to wrap it up, I like to hear about what's working for you now. You had a book written about you, which is a cool experience. I hope everybody gets the chance to <laughs> to to say they they've had. Uh, but of course, that that's your experience. And would you mind sharing uh, where we can find it and what it's called and how we can get involved with the rest of the work you do? Yes, the book is called Stephen D. Levine, L-A-V-I-N-E. Failure is what it's all about, a life devoted to leadership in the arts. It's by a man named Rohr, R-O-H-W-E-R, a German writer who is really a specialist in profiles of cultural leaders and wanted to do a book about a cultural leader who led by service. Many of the people he dealt with spent their lives in self-promotion, however, however talented they were. And I spent my life in promotion of, of CalArts and uh, of, our, of our students. This, in a way, it's a book about the forming of ideals and then trying to live up to those ideals despite one's, one's self-doubts. I hope it's a, I, I know a number of people who've read it to tell me that it's actually a useful book because it is uh, very, very honest about one's self-doubts and that uh, most people who've been successful are not not so willing to be honest about the things that uh, were wrong with them. So, Stephen D. Levine, failure is what it's all about. I, I love it. I'm going to have links to it so that people can go and pick up their copy in the show notes. And with that, Stephen, I just want to say once again, thank you very much for joining me. It was a pleasure again. I hope I didn't wander too much in the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was perfect. It was perfect. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for listening. We do not have control over everything. On this podcast, we've talked about cancer, abuse, and natural disasters, all things we can't control. Each time, our guest has had to work with the hand they've been dealt. In a way, by encouraging diversity and building strong community ties, Stephen was able to stack the deck in his favor. A life of service like Stephen's will prepare you for when things go awry. And how did he do it? Listening. Listening. 
Special thank you to Stephen Levine for joining me once again and being willing to talk about his broken bulbs. Be sure to check out his work, including the book that was written about him, Stephen D. Levine, Failure is What It's All About. You can find links to it down in the show notes. And he previously featured on episode 95 and episode 156 of Broken Bulbs, so make sure you head back and check those out as well. And if you want to support Broken Bulbs and the rest of the work I do, please visit mechoradio.com slash support. That's M-E-C-H-O radio.com slash support. Or just click the first link in the show notes. Broken Bulbs is produced by Mecco Radio, and we are, of course, a proud member of the Create Fine. I, Alex Williams, was your host. The podcast artwork is by Bethany Gustafson, and the music we use is by Brian Claxton and Wesley Thomas. Oh, and thanks again for listening. Mecco.